good works for His glory. And I have the absolute privilege this morning of introducing someone. If you don't know Cam Aronson, he is the pastor of ECC. Now, if you're somewhat new to this, you might not be aware, but ECC Off-Island is a sister church of the original ECC that's downtown on the island. Um, over 20 years ago, God worked in Cam's heart, and he brought him out here. At the time, ECC was the size of our current church. If you've been there now, the parking is a zoo, but when you get inside, what you experience is authentic worship, and it's a large church, and is the primary church in this, in this community, and God has used them in mighty ways. And over three years ago, God worked in the heart of, of Pastor Cam, as well as his church leadership, and God put on their hearts, we need to plant another church. We need to reach out to those that live off the island and other communities. And at the same time that God worked in Pastor Cam's heart, he was working in the hearts of others that lived off the island, that were already meeting in home groups off the island, but that were driving to ECC. And at the same time, independently, God worked in their hearts. And through Cam's leadership and ECC's partnership with us, three years later, we have a church that is vibrant, and we see God at work, and I am humbled to be here. It truly is an absolute privilege. And I look and I see a handful of faces that I know that were here three years ago. Many of you, including myself, have no idea what it was like back then. But indeed, we stand on the shoulders of those that have sacrificed and committed, and now we have a vibrant and growing church for Christ's glory. And I am thankful to Cam. I'm thankful for his leadership and his vision, for his friendship. For if I had not met him, I wouldn't be here today. And granted, God is sovereign, but he was the tool, the vessel that God used. And so a dear friend and his wife, Esther Ruth, are here this morning to just worship with us. And Cam wants to share a few words this morning. And so please welcome Pastor Cam Aronson. Thank you, Matthew. Well, it is a real joy for Esther Ruth and I to be here today. Um, I love that parable of Jesus. The, he said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which even though it's the smallest of the seeds in the garden, yet it grows into a tree in which the birds of the field can find shelter. And uh, God loves to take small things and use them to grow his kingdom. And uh, we love to see that happen. He doesn't always do it the same way. He's got all kinds of different strategies and all different models. And uh, sometimes we get hung up on a particular model. But there's another parable where the farmer planted his garden, and then he went away, and he came back, and it had grown. And, and uh, the farmer can do everything he wants to do, but only God can make it grow. And that's the way it is with the kingdom of God as well. If God is in it, it will grow. And it may follow different paths and different models, but God is about building his church. And so it's a delight to see, uh, see this happen. As, as Matthew said, when we came to Abu Dhabi in 1990, we found a congregation of about 90 people. And a facility probably not quite as big as this one that we were meeting in. And we didn't know what God had in mind, but uh, now we can see at least a little bit of what God had in mind when he brought us here. 
So we've been following the development of the Off-Island Church with great interest, with prayer, and occasionally, you know, our board will discuss how this goes forward and what our relationship is, and, and so far, uh, it's been a great experience on our side, and uh, I think on the East uh, Off-Island Church side as well. So blessings on you. We will continue to pray for you. Uh, God willing, I hope to visit just every now and then just to say hello. But uh, it's been a real joy to have Matthew and Bonnie join us as well. Uh, a lunch at the uh, Alwakna Mall about, was it a year and a half ago? Was kind of the spark that uh, leaped across the ocean and then brought him back here. And God is good, and we praise him for what he's doing. Well, certainly to be a part of two different churches, but one family. And that's, that's how I think of the ECC family is, yes, there are two different churches, different vibe here off the island, from on the island. That's not better or worse. It's just different. It's good. But one family, where our hearts are knit together and we share the same faith in Christ. We want the same things. We both want, both churches want desperately to see Christ lifted up. We want to see Christ exalted. We want to see lives changed by the power of the gospel. We want to see more churches planted. We want to see the kingdom advance because it is Christ who is doing it, and we are simply the tools that he uses, and truly it is a privilege to have him here today. It is an honor to be just a part of this family, and as one of our elders, Earl, mentioned when he opened up the worship gathering that we just had our day of prayer and fasting last Sunday, and there were a handful of people that it was their first time fasting, and we got to hear stories, and all of us are just jam-packed, another elder, Ray's house, and there was no room to sit, and it was awesome, and I, I've never had pizza that tasted that good, because pizza does, I don't like pizza, I mean, I like it, it's not that good for you, but it was great that night, but beyond the, the physical sustenance that we received eating in the pizza hut, what was wonderful was seeing God's people together humbling ourselves. Seeing us cry out, Jesus, we're hungry for you. We're more hungry for you than we are for food. And to put that exclamation point at the end of our prayer and saying, Jesus, we need you. Crying out to him, us praying while our bodies are weak and we have headaches and we're hungry. And we're saying, Jesus, we need you. We need you to guide us because we can't do this on our own. And we'll do it again. If you missed out this week, don't worry. Now, we're not doing it again this week, but we will do it again because that's part of who we are as a church. Um, this week, well, actually, before I get started on, on the message, all the, all the children that aren't already in the classes can go ahead and head out to the back. Um, and so any child that is ages 5 through 11 can go ahead and go to the back. The teachers are waiting for them. And so they're so great to go out so quietly. I love that. Um, so as, as the children kind of find their classes and the teachers are waiting for them back there, um, I was mentioning that when I was preparing um, for the message this morning, I looked up online several different Fortune 500 companies. I'm wondering, well, what's a Fortune 500? It's just a big company. So these are large international companies. This is what they are. And there are some large ones that do things like investments or finance or insurance. Others are fast food, like McDonald's, you know, very large international companies. 
others are grocery stores like a Carrefour or, or other international grocery stores or even like auto parts. And so there are many different large Fortune 500 companies and they're all different. They all sell different things or offer different services or have different products or from different countries. And so it's very unique. But one thing that I found in all of these large international companies is every single one of them on their website had a mission statement. Every one of them. Now, they all had different goals, but every one of them had a particular goal, a specific goal that they were trying to accomplish as a company. And so all of these companies have something rather than other things that they're trying to accomplish. And so McDonald's wants to sell more burgers. And they use toys and all kinds of gimmicks to get you to go buy their, their burgers. But others sell other things. But in the end, every company said, we do this and we don't do that. Because quite honestly, no company, no organization can do everything. You can't. You can't do everything, so you only do something. I believe that is true of the church. I believe that that is true. Now, lest you think, hold on a second, what is he trying to do out here? Compare the church to businesses? Well, of course not. Because businesses, their goal is to make money. They're a for-profit organization. The church, at its essence, is something that is spiritual. So our goal is not to make money, clearly. So we're not a business. So don't take illustration too far. The illustration applies insofar as mission. The organizations have a mission they're trying to accomplish, and the church likewise has a particular mission that we are trying to accomplish. So you focus on the main thing, not on other things. So by definitions, they're in your notes. If you didn't get one, there's some in the back. A mission is the specific task or purpose which a person or group seeks to accomplish. So a specific task or mission that a group, in this case, the church, is seeking to accomplish. And so what is the mission of ECC Off-Island? What is our purpose? Why are we here? What specific task have we been given to accomplish in the world? And so for some of you, you may have to ask yourself, why do I come to church? I mean, really, you need to ask yourself, why do you come? Is it purely social? Is it a sense of obligation or I ought to? Or is it deeper than that? Why do we do this? Why do we come on Friday morning? Why? What's the purpose? Why are we here? And furthermore, out of these same questions is, what should we be doing as a church anyway? Because there are many things that a church can do that are good. So by the way, I am not, let me clarify, I am not asking how many good things can we do. And I'm not asking how busy can we be doing good things. Because we can be very busy. We will not be effective in accomplishing our mission if we don't know the mission and then keep the mission the focus. And so we must know the mission, and then we must keep it the focus. Otherwise, we'll do lots of good things, but not the main thing, not 
the mission. Focus matters. What we're focused on absolutely matters because a church can actually get distracted doing a lot of good things and not accomplish her mission. Now, just to give you an example of how a church can get really busy doing a lot of good things and activity but miss the main thing, talking about the mission of the church is kind of like going to Ikea. Did you know that? You're like, no, you're crazy. No, I'm serious. Follow me. The mission of the church is kind of like going to Ikea. Now, if any of you are new, and I know a lot of you are, you've moved here recently, and, and you're fairly new to Abu Dhabi, and you look at your, your villa or your apartment, and it's all bare, and so where are you going to head first, likely? To Ikea, right? Like, that's what we did. We've been there so many times. I'm, I'm burned out on Ikea for like a year. And so what you do is you say, well, okay, I, I've, I've gotten quite a few of the things that I need, but I need curtain rods, and, so, and I need some curtains. And so, you know, the neighbors can look in. It's kind of awkward. I can't change. So I need some curtains, all right? And so you go to Ikea with the mission, the goal of getting curtain rods and some curtains. That's why you're going to Ikea. But you get there, and your kids start running around like they're crazy. And so what do you do? First, you have to go to the playground and drop them off. And then, and then you go and you get a coffee or a shawarma, right? Or a one, dollar, or one durham, rather, ice cream cone. And then you start, you go upstairs, and you're in this maze. Because Ikea is a maze. It's like a labyrinth where you're walking around, and like, how do I get out? I'm like a, a rat that's in the, in, in the lab. I'm trapped. And you walk around, and you get stuck in, stuck, not stuck, you're browsing in the kitchen area. And then you get to the home decor and the wall art. And then before long, you've spent three hours, and you have a trolley full of stuff, and you're tired. You check out. You get home. And you never got curtains. This happened to us. I'm not exaggerating. This is an actual story. This is, this is not hyperbole. This is a personal testimony of earlier in the summer. We didn't get curtains. We said, I mean, we bought all this stuff, spent thousands of dirhams setting up, but we didn't even accomplish the objective. We did lots of good things. The kids played. We ate ice cream. We had time together. Ikea. We had fun, arguably, together. We were really busy, did a lot, bought a lot, but failed. And that's many churches today. They're really busy. A lot of activity. They're doing a lot of good things. It's not evil, but they're not accomplishing the mission, the objective. And so doing a lot of good things does not equal mission. You see, staying really busy, and if we as a church planned lots of activities and kept you really, really, really busy with every night something going on, it, here's what it does. It creates the illusion of mission. It makes you think that you're on mission because you're busy. You're doing something. But activity is not the same as mission. It's critical that we understand that the goal is not busyness. We need to focus on the mission. And as a church, that's what we're going to do. We are going to move forward, focus, unashamedly, laser-like vision, and focus on the mission. Not just doing good things, doing the main 
thing. So as we talk about mission, as we're discovering our mission, you'll see in your notes, there's a couple of blanks. So the very word itself, the word mission assumes two things. Number one, in your notes, being sent. And so if you're on a mission, it assumes that you've been sent on this mission by someone. And so if you're in the military and you get sent out on a mission, well, you were sent by the officers of the military. The, the general sent you. And so having a mission that you're focused on assumes that you've been sent. But number two, that you've been given a task. You have a job. And so mission assumes that you've been sent and that you have a, a particular task, a job that you need to accomplish. And so who sent us? And who sent us? And where did he send us? And to do what as a church? Those are the kinds of questions that every church has to make sure that she understands clearly and is focused on the answer. Now, in the Bible, there are many different places that we could turn to to find out our mission. And there are many things that are good that we are called to do as believers. But if we're talking about a focus as a church, as the corporate gathered assembly of God's people, what are we to do? There are things that as husbands and as wives you're called to do. As parents, you're called to do. So there are many things in the Bible that describe the whole Christian life. Loving your neighbors and taking care of your wife and teaching your children. There's lots of things that as a believer we're, we're called to. Our thought lives, stewardship over our finances and so forth. So I'm not talking about all of the good things that we could do. I'm talking laser-like focus on what is the one thing, the main thing that we must do. And we're going to find it in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. So if you, you, you can turn there. And as you're turning there, I'll, I'll give you the context, Matthew 28. This describes the mission of the church. You see, at this point, this is the last paragraph in the Gospel of Matthew. At this point in the book of Matthew, what you've seen so far is the life and ministry of Jesus. He's already been crucified. He's been resurrected. He has spent 40 days with his followers, teaching them, encouraging them. And now he's about to be ascended, rather, and go back to be with the Father. And right before he is ascended, where he goes up to be with the Father in heaven, he gives his followers these words. These are the last words that Jesus would speak physically to his followers. Last words matter. He gives the church her marching orders. The, the general giving his, his army, here's the objective, here is the mission, Go do this. Keep your focus on this. And here's what he says, verses 16 and 17. And it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And so Jesus directs them to a mountain. And it says, And they worshipped him. Yes, there were some that were not believers there. But the true disciples, they worshipped they believed in Jesus as they went on this mountain in this, this last meeting. And so why is that significant? Why does it matter that they're on the mountain? Well, just think back in the Bible. Think back to Moses in the book of Exodus. They're on Mount Sinai. And what does God do there? He gives him the law, the Ten Commandments to start off with. And so God reveals his will at Mount Sinai. 
And if you read later with the prophet Elijah at Mount Carmel, what did God do there? Well, he shames the false god Baal, and he showed that he is the one true God. He revealed himself at Mount Carmel. And then in the same book of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7, you have a sermon on the what? Sermon on the Mount. Again, the mountainside, Jesus teaches, and he reveals what, it's, what it is to be in the kingdom of God, what it is to be a citizen, to be a member of God's kingdom, and he reveals that. And so there's more examples, but just to name a few here. When you look at a mountain, it's significant. It's a place of God's revelation. It's a place where God speaks, and he says, here's who I am, and here's who you are, and now then go live this way in light of those two realities. And so when they go to this mountain, they know something is about to happen. Because Jesus and mountains, there's going to be a show. Mount Transfiguration, another example. There's so many of these. And so they know that God is going to speak. They are anticipating God to reveal himself to them. And what do they do? They worship him. And Jesus, being part of the Trinity, being God himself, is about to speak. Jesus is about to reveal something. He's about to reveal the mission of the church. He's about to reveal the mission for ECC off island. This is God speaking. In verse 18, this is what Jesus says. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority is mine. You see, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, if you ever have a good hour where you want to have like an extended devotional time and you want to just read the book of Matthew from cover to cover, all 28 chapters at one sitting. Depends on how fast you read, but one hour should be sufficient if you, if you just read the story. What would jump out at you is you will see a theme that develops over and over and over. Matthew is making it clear that Jesus is the Messiah. His audience is mostly Jewish. And so Matthew, over and over and over, is quoting the Old Testament. Matthew takes it. He goes to painstaking levels to say, listen, Jesus is the Messiah. He was promised many years ago. The, the prophet said he would come. A son of David would come. Jesus is the Messiah. The, the rightful king who has come to fulfill all the law and the prophets. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is the anointed one that fulfills the entire Old Testament. All of the hopes and aspirations of ancient Israel are all pointing to Jesus. He is the one that God has sent. And as Matthew is now closing his book, the Gospel of Matthew, He's closing it, saying, this is what it's all about. Jesus is the one. He has come, fulfilled prophecy. He has all the authority. He is God in the flesh. He has come. He has the authority. And the mission that he's about to give is founded on, based on, and flows out of the fact that Jesus has sovereignty. He is the king. He is in charge. He is in control. He is all-powerful. So the fact that he is powerful, has the authority, he now says, I have the authority, and you can trust my authority and my power as I now send you out 
to accomplish something specifically as my followers. And what are the instructions? What is the mission? Verses 19 through 20. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Powerful, beautiful words. He says here that the mission is two words. Make disciples. That's the mission. That's why we're here. Everything else that we do as a church is secondary and not part of the primary focus. The primary focus, the, the mission that Jesus gives is go and make disciples. Now, in the original language, there are four key words. Not in your notes, but if you want to write it down, you can. It's in your Bibles, too, though. It's there. There's four key words. They're, they're verbs, action words. If you're like, well, what's a verb? Well, an action word, something you do. That's all it is. There's four of them. The first one is make disciples. You're like, no, that's two words. Well, it is in the English, but in the original language, it was one word. And so to make disciples is one word. And by the way, that one word, make disciples, is the primary verb in this passage. The primary action that we are told to do is make disciples. And it's not just an action like run. It's an imperative. You go run. There's a difference between saying go, this is an imperative. I am sending you, you go, and go do what? Make disciples. The next three key words is going, baptizing, and teaching. You're saying, well, mine just says go, not going. Well, again, that's the English translation. In the original, all those three words, going, baptizing, and teaching, have the I-N-G ending. They're participles. That means a continuous. Keep doing this. So basically, here's all this means. The first word, make disciples, is the main idea. And the next three verbs, the next three words, baptizing, teaching, going, describe how to do it. The process. The mission is make disciples. How do you do it? Going, baptizing, teaching. The mission is make disciples. How do you do it? Going. Baptizing, teaching. Now, we'll discuss the process, the strategy of going and baptizing and teaching for the next series. Today, we're talking about the first one, make disciples. That is the mission. And we'll learn more in coming weeks on how we're going to do it as a church. Because we will. Because we must. Because Jesus told us to. There's nothing else that we can do because this passage describes the glory of Christ. This is describing how incredibly beautiful and majestic and magnificent Jesus is. And our hearts have been captivated by this glory. Our hearts have been just moved by who Jesus is. And we can do none other than just yearn to see his glory displayed. Because by the way, that is the only thing, that is the main thing that God cares about. Everything that God does has exactly one purpose. God's mission, you know what God's mission is? His glory. 
to have his beauty, his glory, his infinite worth displayed so that his whole creation can see him and bow down and praise his name. That's what God does. Everything in creation and everything in salvation, everything that God does is for his glory. He yearns for the whole world to see it, to be covered in his glory, to acknowledge how amazing and beautiful he is, and to bow and praise and in worship. Like in Habakkuk 2, the prophet said that, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's what God wants. That the knowledge of his glory will cover the earth just like the waters cover the ocean. That everyone will confess that Jesus is Lord and every knee will bow and every single human being will one day acknowledge that he is king. And those of us that have been gripped by his glory and, and we've been moved by the beauty of Jesus displayed in the cross where he hung and died for you and we see the love that we could never earn that we do not deserve that God in his grace and mercy has just lavished rained upon us, and he literally rains down goodness upon us. It's like, there's no rain here. I just wish it would rain. I, I mean, I've been here for a few months, and I'll, I'll get used to it, but I just wish I could go out and stand in the rain and feel soaked and just feel the water falling on me and just to be reminded of the grace that God has and how he showers and rains on us and he soaks us down to our soul. That's the beauty of Jesus. And because we have experienced him and tasted his glory and his goodness, then we want to obey him. His mission becomes our mission. We want to see Christ glorified. We want to see Jesus displayed so everyone can see him and bow down and worship as we do every day. And so what is the mission, if you want to define it succinctly, and there in your notes, why are we here? In your notes, the mission of ECC Off Island is we glorify God by making and developing disciples. That's it. Glorify God by making and developing disciples. Jesus said, make disciples, teach them to obey, and so you win them and you grow them, if you will. We glorify God. That's why we exist. How do we do that? We make and we develop disciples for Jesus. So as a church, that is our focus. Nothing else matters. My preference doesn't matter. I'm sorry, but your preference doesn't matter either. It doesn't. Because if we put our preferences before the mission, we're going to be like being in the Ikea, walking around, buying a whole bunch of stuff, being really busy, but failing at the objective. And we as a church must not do that because there is too much at stake. There is too much at stake. There are souls here that don't know Jesus. And we can get so consumed and we can have our blinders on and, and we can just not even see the people around us that are dying 
on the inside that need to hear the gospel, and if they don't hear it, they're going to die, and they're not going to be with us in the new heavens and the new earth. And the glory of Christ won't be as displayed as our hearts yearn to be. So I'm not satisfied with having this fellowship. I want to see us plant more of them. I want to see the glory of Christ just permeated and saturating Abu Dhabi where we begin to see people's lives truly changed and to see even if God allows it and if he blesses, may we even whisper it out loud, see the culture change. For the glory of Christ. But as Pastor Cam said, it begins small with the seed. We need to plant it and water and not be distracted by other things or preferences, but be focused on this mission. We will glorify Christ by making and developing disciples. It really is simple. Guess who complicates it? We do. We, humans. We complicate it. It's not complicated. That's the mission. And that's what we're going to focus on. And so as we trust him, these three blanks in your notes, number one. We trust God for success, and we measure success not by how big our church is, not by how big a building we may one day have, not by how much money is being given. We don't measure success by human standards on size of the building or number of people in the seats. We measure success by this mission. Are we making and developing disciples, period? That's the only measuring stick for success is are we making and developing disciples? If we are not, then we are failing. No matter how big the church might get physically, if we're not accomplishing the mission, we're failing. And so we can trust God for this because it's based on Jesus. This is his, number one, his power. He said, I have the authority. He is God. You see here the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is part of the Godhead. He is eternal. He is deity. He has all the authority. He is sovereign. He is powerful. And so we trust Jesus' power, not our intelligence, not our systems, not our abilities. We trust Jesus. We're depending upon him. That's how we fasted this week, saying, Jesus, we're weak. We, we, can't, we can't do this ourselves. We need you. And so we trust, we depend on his power. If we trust in our intelligence, our resources, our ingenuity, we're going to fail at the mission. But if we depend on him, then we cannot fail in doing it his way. And second, we trust him because it's based on his plan. So first one, first remember this, it all begins with it's on his power, but then it's his plan, number two. Is this my idea? This is not my idea. This is your idea? No, this is God's idea. It's his strategy. This is Jesus' plan. And so we're trusting him for his plan. When we do our plan, that's when we fail. But if we do it his way, his plan, his strategy, based upon his word, then we can't fail. We can't. We're guaranteed success if we do it according to his specific strategy to fulfill the mission he gave us to do. So we're going to be intentional. We're going to be biblical. 
We're going to be simple. We're not going to be a church that is bogged down by lots of programs. We're not. We can't. Because when a church has so many programs and everyone is busy every night of the week, then what happens is we don't have the time or energy to be on mission for Christ. And so we're going to be streamlined. We're going to be intentional. We're going to be simple. We're going to accomplish this mission. And we'll talk more about the specifics in the next several weeks on this strategy. But today, here's a mission. Make disciples. His power, this is his plan. He'll do it. Number three, his presence. His presence. Not, not present. His presence. Jesus said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's present with us. So we need him. Trust his power, his plan, and we're desperate for his presence. And so we come here Friday mornings and we're desperate to see Jesus revealed to us that we can then respond to him. You see, there are some that would say, no, 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 that that mandate, that commission was for the first century believers only. It doesn't apply to us today. If that's true, why did Jesus say, I am with you to the ends of the age? It applies to believers all the way down to 2012 in Abu Dhabi, meeting in a zoo, We have the promise of his presence, and we will depend on his promise. You see, our our job, our commission, our mission, the one thing we're called to do here is make disciples. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so we trust him. He is going to build the church. He's the one that has to resurrect those that are dead spiritually. The Spirit of God has to do that. He builds the church, we just make disciples. We trust him, he'll do his part. Don't worry about Jesus, he's got his part. We can trust him for his. We can be faithful on our mission, our part, which is to be diligent, to be focused, and to not be distracted, to trust in his presence, to be hungry for Jesus alone. So that's my vision is that we will have an all-consuming desperate desire for Jesus himself. And when we are so hungry for just more of Jesus, for his presence in our lives and with us individually and collectively, when we're just so hungry and so thirsty for Jesus, then our hearts are in the right place to accomplish the mission. So that's my heartbeat, that we'll be successful in making and developing disciples for his glory. The next question, of course, is, well, what is a disciple? Define that for me. We'll come back next week. Next week, we'll look. Define your terms, Pastor Matthew, preacher boy. Oh, we will. No worries. So today is a mission. Make disciples. Next week, we'll ask the question, well, what exactly is a disciple? We'll define that. You say, well, okay, I know the mission. We'll learn next week what a disciple is. You say, well, how are we going to do it? Don't leave. Keep coming back. Because we're starting a series called Follow Me next week. Follow me. Two words that Jesus used all the time. Read the Gospels. Over and over he would say, will you come after me? 
if you would come after me, if you will follow me, will you follow me? He uses it over and over and over. And so we're going to look at what does it mean to answer the call of following Jesus. Answering that call. Will we hear Jesus through his word on Friday morning? We'll hear him say, will you follow me? And here's what it's going to cost you if you're going to follow me. And then we're going to respond, my heartbeat is to say, Jesus, whatever the cost, you're worth it. I'll follow you. And we'll learn how we're going to actually accomplish this as a church. Answering the call to be a disciple of Jesus. God has put us here in Abu Dhabi, and it's a privilege to be here. We can't forget that. It's a privilege. We can get so hung up on, man, but it's hot and it's hard and my job. And, and everyone I've met, there seems to be some recurring themes in my first three and a half months here. And it seems like no one likes the heat. No one likes Ramadan. Those are universal. Everyone likes to leave for the summer. Universal. People don't like their jobs. Seems to be Universal. It seems, and I'm just an observer, but it really seems like disliking the heat and disliking their job almost goes hand in hand in Abu Dhabi and missing your home country. It can be hard. And I'm not going to lie to you. It hasn't always been easy for us the first three months either. We've had our challenges. We've had our children cry because they missed their friends and family. We've had our times where we've been laying in bed holding each other crying because it's not always been easy. Sometimes it's hard to not be close to your, your family and, and what's familiar and getting used to driving here and living here and finding things here. And it's not always easy for me either. So I'm right there with you. I'm not like Cam. He's got 23 years. He's amazing. I want to be like Cam. That's what I want. But I've got like 100 days total. I have a long way to go. But we're here together. And I want to be here for a long time. I don't know how long you're going to be here. I don't know what God has in store for you and what twists and turns your life will have. Only God knows that. But for however long we're here, however long gives us the privilege of being in this amazing, great city that has such potential that needs the gospel, for as long as we're here, we're going to live on mission. We're going to be intentional. We're not going to be distracted. We're going to display the glory of Christ together and not be hung up on things that, quite honestly, we can't change or that can be difficult. And this morning, you'll have an opportunity to focus on Christ and on the mission that he came to accomplish in saving us, that he has now given to us to continue by observing communion. So I'm going to actually ask now the men to come to the front, and I'll be serving the elements and also our worship team to come to the front. And as they find their places, I, I feel compelled to make sure that everyone here understands that we have all sinned. Every single person in this room and on the face of this earth has sinned. We have violated God's laws. We have shamed ourselves, and we stand convicted by a holy God, and we have no hope of salvation or forgiveness if it wasn't for Jesus dying on the cross, making your forgiveness a possibility. And so the invitation is there, but you must respond to the free offer of salvation with faith and repentance. 
with wholehearted trust in Jesus, turning away from your sin and turning to Christ. If you have received Christ already, then communion is for you. We observe what we call open communion here. Any believer in Christ can partake in communion. But if you're here today and, and you're not sure what that means, or you know, yeah, I've never done that, I've never received Christ as my Savior, then before you leave today, I ask that you please go to the back table, fill out a card, there's a welcome card. Just mark the back, and I can call you this week, and we can meet. We can talk and pray together. And I can show you from God's word what it means to follow Jesus. You see, the bread represents the body of Jesus. It reminds us. It's a symbol of how Jesus hung the cross for us. And, and the juice is a symbol that reminds us of the blood that was poured out for us so that we could be forgiven. And so when we partake of communion, it's a holy moment where we focus on Jesus, who died for us and has, yes, sent us out in the world to accomplish his mission for his glory. And so I ask that you would take a moment as, as we're praying and as they're playing quietly, you can just reflect on Christ and on how you've been following him. If you need to repent of anything, now is a good time to do it. As you get our hearts ready, or take of the Lord's cup and bread. I'm going to ask Gilbert to please pray for the elements, for the bread.